Take your Bibles and turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to look at verses 11 through 14. The title of the message today is God's Plan for My Life, and the title of the series, the four-week series, Appointed for Me. One pastor attended a community prayer breakfast, and he said, this true story, and he sat next to um, a group of men he didn't know. In the course of the conversation, the subject of retirement came up, and the man sitting next to the pastor, the man appeared to be in his early 50s, he was excited about the prospect of retiring. And he said uh, he was looking forward to the end of his career, and he he related a conversation that he'd had with his wife only that morning. He said, uh, <clears throat> my wife asked, what are you going to do when you retire? I told her, I'm going to sit on the couch and watch TV all day, every day. <clears throat> Isn't that great? The table was silent where he was sitting, but the pastor knew that he couldn't be quiet for long. And he said, if you do that, you'll be dead in a year. And he looked at me and with a puzzled look and he said, or looked at the pastor and said, why? <clears throat> the pastor said, if the lack of purpose in your life doesn't kill you, your wife will kill you. <laughs> you know, whether you're a young person, <clears throat> someone who is actively involved in your career, or if you're a, a retired person, Regardless of your age, your station of life, or your education, or anything else, God has a plan for your life. Here's how Job, the man who probably, he didn't probably, he did lose more than anyone else has ever lost. Here's what he said in his view of how God works in our lives. In Job 23, 14, he will complete what he appoints for me. Today I do begin this four-part series appointed for me, and here's what my hope is. My hope is that these messages will help us to see that God has a plan for our lives, not just for everybody else's life, but for our lives individually. I hope that you'll come to a place, even in today's message, and certainly over the course of the next four weeks of saying, God has a plan for my life. And also, I hope you'll understand how you should respond to God's plan for your life. Perhaps the most definitive passage regarding the will of God is that from our text in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Let me just stop right here. And the Father is speaking to Israel. What he says to Israel is applicable to all of us. For I know what plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart." This morning I want to share with you three aspects of God's appointment in our lives. We're going to look at the sovereignty of God. We're going to look at the salvation of God and at the seal of God. 
the sovereignty, the salvation, and the seal. First of all, we need to get some frame of reference, try to have some comprehension for the sovereignty of God. If you believe that God is control, in control, now this has nothing to do with how deep your theological understanding is, but if you believe that God is in control, then whether or not you realize it, you believe in the sovereignty of God. If you simply believe God is in control. Now within the sovereignty of God, there is much discussion, but the fact of God's sovereignty is of little debate. God is absolutely in control. Should God decide today, right now, while we're sitting here, to give Tallahassee something that it almost never gets, I suppose, an earthquake, and rattle these windows and break them out, God's in control, if that's what He chooses to do. God is absolutely in control. And if you are going to be at peace with God and the will of God in your life, with the appointments that He has made for you, then you have to come to an appreciation of sovereignty and say, God is in control. And not just say it, but it be real in your saying. The sovereignty of God doesn't take away from other responsibilities. For instance, It doesn't take away from our responsibility as believers, or it doesn't take away from the fact that God has given to believers free will. Now, oftentimes we might say, how can we have free will, yet there be sovereignty of God? Well, because God is in control. God can do anything. My daddy used to say that you can't straddle a mud puddle with a wheelbarrow. Yet somehow or another, God could straddle a mud puddle with a wheelbarrow. I don't understand it, but God could do those things. The sovereignty of God gives us confidence that where He sends us, we can go. And what He asks of us, we can do. And the challenges that He gives to us, we can face. Because God is sovereign. God is in control. I want to give you four statements about God's sovereignty that should help you get a a clearer picture about the appointments that God makes in your life and in mine. Here's the first thing. God made everything. He did. God made everything. My little four-year-old grandson was on the porch yesterday at my house And he was laying down backwards on the porch and he had his head laid off the front step and was looking up into the sky and he was talking to me about God and God making things. God made everything. John 1, 3. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1, 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. God made everything. How do you like the warm sunshine 
on a winter's day. How do you like the feel of the warm sunshine on a winter's day? You like that, don't you? God made that. How do you like the, the softness of a baby's skin and the sweetness of the first smile? You like that, don't you? God made that. Are you partial to the, to the seashore? Do you like to go to the beach? Do you like the mountains? Is that where you like to go? You like to go to the mountains? Does the freshness of snow make you happy? God made all of those things. God made everything. That's a really big deal. And it is primary in our appreciation of the sovereignty of God, that God made everything. We can marvel all we want at the discoveries and the inventions and the innovations of bright minds of the world, but apart from the gift of God, they would be unable to do anything. God made everything. Get a hold on that. There is nothing that has made that God didn't make. Uh, look, you, you, you see what this is? This is an iPad. This is an iPad Air. I've been using an iPad to preach from an iPad for five or six years. I don't know how long I've been preaching. It, it, this is a, my second one. You say, boy, it's sure cool that Apple made that. Well, yeah. And it's, it's also cool that God gave the minds to the people who were able to conceive it and develop it and write the code to manufacture it. Those same brilliant minds could have been something much different. God made the minds that made everything. God made everything. <clears throat> Everything is a gift from God. You, you would think that a God who made everything <clears throat> would know everything. And you're absolutely right. God knows everything. Thus far, this could be taught in primary boys, couldn't it? God made everything and God knows everything. How many of you believe that? God made everything, God knows everything. Would you raise your hand? <clears throat> All right. Why do we live like we don't believe that? <laughs> really? Why do we live in panic mode and those other modes? Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable <clears throat> his ways. Sometimes we get the feeling that we've been forgotten. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like, well, I'm, I think God must have forgotten about it, that he was taking care of me. <clears throat> we go through a, a time that's difficult in our health, or we go through a time that's difficult in our family. Our country goes through a tough time. Every country, even the most prosperous in the world, go through times of, <clears throat> of recession and great difficulty. In America, we have seen prosperity and recession cycle through <clears throat> many, many times. God called me to preach in the early 70s, Jan and I were living in Orlando, Florida, <clears throat> where I was involved in a construction business there. And times were not good at all. And some of you will remember in Florida the, that, that crash of the construction boom <clears throat> back in the early 70s. 
where there were a lot of projects that sat unfinished and empty for literally years and years. That's the time when God called me to preach. And we didn't have very much at that time, but what we had, we absolutely lost, lost everything that we had. When I set out to go to seminary, we lost everything because the partners in the business couldn't afford to pay even the little bit that I'd put into the business. They couldn't pay it back to me. And I just had to understand that. And we went to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I was going to go to seminary. And, and we did the hardest thing that I've ever had to do, <clears throat> the hardest thing I ever had to do that I remember as far as just manning up was calling her dad and asking to borrow $100 so that we could go <clears throat> to Chattanooga. We could make the move to Chattanooga. That was the hardest thing that I could ever imagine doing, and I did it. I, I called him and I said, <clears throat> can we borrow $100? I put Jan on the phone first. She told him how much she loved him, <laughs> how much she really missed him and wished she could be closer to him. And after she told him she loved him and really missed him and wished she could be closer to him, she said, Randy wants to ask you something. <clears throat> I got to be honest, it was hard to not doubt God but we moved on God's call on our lives, believing that God knows everything. And God did know everything. I have some wonderful stories I can tell you about those early days when God knew things that nobody else knew and God answered in ways that nobody else could. You know why? Because God is sovereign and God knows everything. I was talking to Jan the other day about our lives, the past, the present, and the future. And what's going on in the world around us. And, <clears throat> and I told her, I said, Jan, God has always worked everything out. And he will continue to work everything out. A sovereign God <clears throat> made everything, knows everything, and can do anything. Don't you believe that? Don't you believe that God can do anything? Now we say a lot, and the Bible says a lot about the power of faith. If you had the power of the faith of a grain of mustard seed. You could move the mountain and cast it into the sea if you only had that faith. Do you know why that's true? Because of the power of God. The power of faith is only the power of faith because of the power of God in whom you have the faith. If you have faith in the wrong thing, you can ruin your life. We have faith in God, and the reason we do is because God can do anything. Verse 17 of our text, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have uh, made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. We could say, nothing is too hard for God. Could we say that together and could we say it the first time like we really believe it? Say it. Nothing is too hard for God. So what situation are you in? What problem are you having? What life issue have you faced? And you think, well, I'm just, there's just no answer for this. Nothing is too hard for God. When we come to appreciate that a sovereign God 
who made everything and knows all can do anything, we're ready for him to take charge of our lives. Because God controls all things. There's nothing outside of the control of God. I watch a lot of of, uh, happenings in, in what's going on in elections and this, that, and the other, and if you, if you have an interest in, in what I have an interest in, and you're on Twitter, you ought to follow me on Twitter. Uh, fried Peach Pie is my uh, handle. Fried Peach Pie. At Fried Peach Pie. <clears throat> Somebody asked me, why do you put at Fried Peach Pie? Because my mother made fried peach pies for Thanksgiving and Christmas every year, and I loved them, and I lived for them. And my wife can make them as well <clears throat> as my mother made them and better than any of my sisters can make them so my handle is fried peach pie <clears throat> I like it <clears throat> and I'm you you can find out what I'm involved in politically and what I think about politically I what I say uh, on on my Twitter account I say Facebook is for na- making nice Twitter is for making the point <clears throat> I said all that because I was I was watching last night the returns and the results from South Carolina, and, and I heard uh, a lot of the, the acceptance speeches, or the, the speeches, <clears throat> and, uh, and, and this is an after the fact, but I will, I'll make this statement, and this is a little bit of a political statement. I, I, don't, I don't think that you could ask for a finer gentleman than Jeb Bush and the way he stepped down. Uh, I think Jeb Bush is absolutely a man of class, and he stepped out of the race because he wasn't getting the traction. Marco Rubio gave a a speech, and Marco Rubio kind of stopped in his speech, and he said, look, I've got to tell you something. I believe in the will of God. And I believe that God has his hand on this. And in essence, he went on and he said, I believe that, that I am carrying out God's will for me and for our nation at this point. And, and he, <clears throat> he talked about the will of God, and then he got back to basically to the, the campaign speech or the, the uh, <clears throat> speech thanking the, his supporters. But the point that he was making is the point that I'm making. God controls all things. Psalm 103, 19, the Lord has established his throne in heavens and his kingdom rules over all. All this means that he is control in control of you and me. Verse 11 again from our text, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Finding and accepting God's plan for your life is vital. And the reason it's vital is because God is sovereign. And here's what I want to do. I want to be available to God and not resistant to God. I want God to find me moldable and and malleable in his hands. And I don't want him to find me uh, stiff and uncooperative in his hand. I don't want God to have to squeeze too hard if he doesn't want to squeeze too hard. I don't want that to happen like that. 
He is in control of everything all the time. Now, before finding the plan of our uh, for God in our lives, we must first find the salvation of God. Returning to our text, look again at verse 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your <clears throat> heart. Look, I want to read something to you from a man named Barnes who is, a, uh, I think, an agnostic. I don't believe in God, but I miss him, he said. This is the opening line from a book that he, he wrote. <clears throat> he says, I was never baptized, never sent to Sunday school. I never went to normal church service in my life. But this agnostic intellectual still feels haunted by the beauty of, the, of Christian art and music and by what he calls the wake-up call to morality. If Mr. Barnes would believe in God and accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he would not have to miss God, and he would understand <clears throat> what he enjoys so much about the message of faith, whether it's in art or music or literature or the spoken word or, or whatever medium the message is proclaimed. His problem is that he has not put himself in a position to know God. He misses God. He observes God. He says, I kind of wish that I could know God because I miss him based on what I see of him. Now, I ask you a question. Have you placed yourself in a position to know God? Do you feel that you're in the, on the inside part of his family? Do you feel like you know God's will uh, for your life? There are two basic points of understanding that will help us to appreciate God's will for our lives. I want to give them to you. Here are two truths. I've shared these truths before. If, if you've heard me preach these, you'll hear it again, but it's just like taking English. You do the same thing over and over and over again until you finally get it, all right? So <clears throat> here it is, two things. First of all, we are all born with a purpose. All of us are. We are born with a purpose. It is not uncommon to hear someone in the public eye, whether a politician or, or a, a celebrity of some other kind, <clears throat> to hear them say that they believe everything happens for a reason. I believe everything happens for a reason. And they are absolutely right. That's one bit of theology that a lot of worldly people get right. That everything does happen for a reason. Going back to our text, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. The sovereign God has a plan and he has a purpose for every single life. Every single one. You say, well, I've known some really bad people. How could they be part of God's plan for their lives. I'm telling you that God has a plan for their lives. I'm not telling you everybody lives out the plan as they should because God does give us a free will. Regardless of the circumstances of a child's birth, there, there are no mistakes, no accidental children who, who God did not count on being born. He knew us before our parents knew us. I look back here to um, 
the Trawicks, Mike and Becky. They have two beautiful daughters. They have two fine sons. Becky gave birth to the two fine sons that God had a plan for. And in China, there were two beautiful babies who were born, also for whom God had a plan. And their plan today is being lived out in Tallahassee. Because God had a plan for them. And they're beautiful people. There was no mistake that they were born there and came here. That was the plan of God. He has a plan for all of us. We are born with a purpose. Psalm 22.10, On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. The psalmist wrote in 139.13, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Galatians 1.15, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me, he set me apart, Paul said, and called me by his grace. All of us are born with a purpose. Don't feel like that you have no purpose in life. All of us have a purpose. Brother Sheldon Wynn is, is 90 years old, about to turn, will be 91 uh, in, in a few months. He is not doing well. He has been in the hospital for an extended period of time now. But I will tell you that God has a purpose for Sheldon Wynn's life. You say, how do I know that? Because Sheldon Wynn's still here. We are born with a purpose. Now get this. We are born again to find that purpose. Back to verse 12 of of Philippians chapter 2, or to Philippians 2 and verse 12. Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. There is a will of God going on in your life right now. You get born again for the purpose of being able to tune in to that will and live it. Here's you an illustration. In our cars, we have radios. We have AM and FM radios. There aren't too many AM stations to listen to anymore. There may be a few, but we have them available. Now, there are FM stations. There are a lot of FM stations. You can hardly find a place where there's not uh, an FM station to be found. Now, some cars have another radio system in in addition to AM and FM. It's called satellite radio, Sirius XM, I guess is... I don't know if they're the only ones, but they're, they're certainly the ones that are most known. Now, if you have a car that has satellite radio in it, but you are not subscribed to it, here's what you have. 
You have the availability of everything that's on satellite radio. You just can't get it. And the reason you can't get it is because you're not subscribed. Now, there may be one station that you can get, and that one station tells you all the good things you could get if you were a subscriber. However, without a subscription, you will not get what others have, and you cannot hear what others hear. Now, do I have to make a big application here, or do you get it? It's real simple. Within all of us, God has a plan. Within all of us, God has a will. Within all of us, God has something that he wants us to do. God does. Within all of us, not one or two of us, not some of us, not the preacher, not the grown-ups, not the kids. God has got his will in all of us, but you can't find his will until you get in tune with God. When you get born again, you set your receiver to the will of God, and you can find His will. God has a a plan, and it's been in place since before you were born, but until you have the indwelling Holy Spirit that comes with a new birth, you cannot find God's plan for your life. You cannot really know that you are pursuing His best for you. A sovereign God wants you to be saved and and that you might find His perfect will for your life. And get this, once you are saved, then you have the seal of God on your life. Now, I happen to have an XM radio. I like it. I pay the annual subscription to listen to about three stations. There's a whole lot more, but I pay the annual subscription to listen to about three. I'll tell you what they are. I listen to 60s on 6. I listen to classic vinyl. I listen to the bridge. I listen to Velvet, the new one, Velvet, Adele, occasionally I listen to her. I listen to Fox News, I listen to Radio Classics, and I listen to the Southern Gospel Music Station. (laughs) Now, I know that I'm going to get emails from you saying, oh, you got to try this. No matter how much you email me, I'm not listening to Howard Stern. That's just the way that it is. You need to stop yourself. But that XM subscription that I have runs out every year. I have to renew it. Renew it. Renew it. So I renew it for myself, and I renew it for my wife's car. I'm going to start watching it a little more closely. If it gets a little too expensive, I'll just renew it for myself. (laughs) Encourage her to ride with me more often. Let me tell you about getting tuned in with God and being able to find His will. Once you are saved, you are sealed. It is an eternal subscription. No renewal. Let's go to Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And do you remember earlier when I showed you that a sovereign God can do anything? 
Well, we read this verse in verse 17 of Jeremiah 32. Ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by the by your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. Well, that is absolutely true. He can do anything up to and including keeping you and me sealed for redemption until the day of redemption. And the seal of our salvation is not in our ability to keep ourselves free from sin. It's in the promise and power of a sovereign God. God has a will for your life. And he has saved you, and you continue to be saved, that you might follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit for your life and walk in confidence until you're standing in his presence. Let me close with this. The other evening, Jan and I were watching Chip and Joanna Gaines on Fixer Upper. They were fixing up a house for a young couple who were buying their first home. It turns out that the uh, young woman <clears throat> was the daughter of the famous author, Max Lucado. I, I uh, give you that illustration because Max Lucado said something interesting about his daughter, and it applies to what we've been sharing today, that God has a plan for your life. When my daughter, and that's his daughter there, <clears throat> when my daughter was about six years old, she and I were having a discussion about my work. It seems that she wasn't too happy with my chosen profession. She wanted me to leave the ministry. I like you as a preacher, she said. I just really wish you sold snow cones. An honest request from a pure heart. It made sense to her that the happiest people in the world were the men who drove the snow cone trucks. You play music, you sell goodies, you make kids happy. What more could you want? I heard her request, Lucado writes, but I didn't heed it. Why? Because I knew better. I know that I am what I am called to do and what I need to do. The fact is, I know more about life or knew more about life than she did. Same with God. He hears our request, but his answer is not always what we'd like for it to be. Why? Because God knows more about life than we do. Do you know what God has appointed for your life? Are you doing His will for you? We are at peace when we know our way is guided by the Lord, regardless of where that way has taken us. God has a plan for your life.